Hello again, friends. So since we are in the spirit of celebrating students, what's happening in the lives of student ministries, I want to briefly share something uh, to celebrate that happened this past Friday morning. So we started off a weekly student Bible study. And this past Friday was the first week that most students had of summer. And we had 11 students show up to read God's word and to pray together on Friday morning here in the fifth lobby. Some of these students were uh, forced out of the door, kicked out uh, by their parents to come here. Nevertheless, they made it here. We read God's word. They picked to read through Revelation, which is an interesting book. But we're going to learn together as we read through that book this summer. So I'm just, I'm thankful that I get to walk with these students and I receive joy um, in those arenas. So today we are learning from the book of Ruth. We're studying and being transformed by this book. Next week we are starting a series on the Ten Commandments. So this is a nice transition into the Old Testament. The story of Ruth takes place at an interesting time in Israelites' history. Prior to Ruth, we have the book of Judges. After the book of Ruth, we have 1 Samuel. In the book of Judges, a common phrase that is said is, everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Because of that, Israel had a downfall. After the book of Ruth and 1 Samuel, Samuel anoints the first king of Israel, King Saul, And it's well known that King Saul did what was right in his own eyes. And that led to Israel's downfall. And tucked in between there is the little book of Ruth. Four chapters. Ruth may not have been explicitly declared a leader in Israel. Yet strangely enough, her determination with her family, her faith, and obedience made a significant impact on the life of God's people. Before we read the passage, let's pray. Lord, we are thankful for this day. We ask that this time is pleasing to you. Would you open up our ears, open up our eyes, help us be transformed by your word. We thank you for the word that you do give us and would we be your people by responding to this word. We pray these things in your name, amen. Ruth chapter one, verses one through 18. In the days when the judges ruled, there was a famine in the land. So a man from Bethlehem in Judah, together with his wife and two sons, went to live for a while in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech, his wife's name was Naomi, and the names of his two sons were Malan and Kilion. They were Ephratites from Bethlehem, Judah, and they went to Moab and lived there. Now Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpah and the other Ruth. After they had lived there about 10 years, both Malan and Kilian died, and Naomi was left without her two sons and her husband. When Naomi heard in Moab that the Lord had come to the aid of his people by providing food for them, she and her daughters-in-law prepared to return home from there. With her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living and set out on the road that would take them back to the land of Judah. Then Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go back, each of you, to your mother's home. May the Lord show you kindness as you have shown kindness to your dead husbands and to me. 
May the Lord grant that each of you will find rest in the home of another husband. Then she kissed them goodbye, and they wept aloud and said to her, We will go back with you to your people. But Naomi said, Return home, my daughters. Why would you come with me? Am I going to have any more sons who could become your husbands? Return home, my daughters. I am too old to have another husband, even if I thought there was still hope for me, even if I had a husband tonight and then gave birth to sons. Would you wait until they grew up? Would you remain unmarried for them? No, my daughters. It is more bitter for me than for you because the Lord's hand has turned against me. At this, they wept aloud again. Then Orpah kissed her mother-in-law goodbye, but Ruth clung to her. Look, said Naomi, your sister-in-law is going back to her people and her gods. Go back with her. But Ruth replied, don't urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go, and where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me, be it ever so severely, if even death separates you and me. When Naomi realized that Ruth was determined to go with her, she stopped urging her. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Craig. So Ruth and Naomi, dynamic duo. In order to better understand the weight of Ruth clinging to Naomi, we have to know a little bit more about the history between the Moabites and the Israelites. So I believe we have a map that we can show on the screen. So towards the bottom half of this map is the Dead Sea. On the west side, of the Dead Sea is where the Israelites lived. On the east side in purple is where the Moabites lived. In purple is where Ruth is from and Israel is where Naomi is from. Naomi is particularly on, she's from Bethlehem which is just south of Jerusalem. So from this picture, it's clear that Moab and Israel are close. Moab and Israel could be considered neighbors, yet they were far from being neighborly to each other. Before we get to the book of Ruth in scripture, there are several passages, passages that show the tension about the, the relationship between Moab and Israel. Coming from the perspective of the Israelites, they looked down on the people of Moab because of things like in Genesis 19, we find Abraham's nephew, Lot. He has an inappropriate relationship with his daughter. A product of that relationship is Moab. So the Israelites see the Moabites, their father, the, pe- the person who is the leader of their country coming from an inappropriate relationship. So they look down on the Moabites. In Numbers 22, the Israelites are making their way towards the promised land and it's clear that God is leading them. God is helping them conquer their enemies and he's leading towards Moab. And so the king of Moab, King Balak, is becoming more afraid. 
And so he asks for a prophet to curse the nation of Israel. And this happens several times. God doesn't end up cursing Israel, not his chosen people, but the Israelites took that to heart and that caused more tension between the Israelites and Moabites. In Judges 3, we learn that the Israelites are subject to the nation of Moab for 18 years. They're under the leadership of people they don't like for 18 years. So those are a few passages that talk about what this relationship looks like between Israel and Moab. There is great tension between these two countries, yet we still find Ruth clinging to Naomi. Ruth does not leave Naomi like Orpah does. Even after Naomi repeatedly, four times asks for Ruth to go back home, Ruth stays with Naomi. At the time that Ruth stays with Naomi, there's two options for Ruth. Ruth can stay where they are in Moab, stay with her family, stay in a place of comfort. Ruth has this option right in front of her and she could choose to say yes and stay right there, yet she doesn't. She chooses the other option, the option of determination, of loyalty, of faith. She chose to stay with Naomi, to follow her God, to call Naomi's people her people, to venture into an unknown place, especially as a widow and a foreigner. Not only that, but Ruth and Naomi don't necessarily have anything going for them as they head towards Bethlehem. They're not like the prodigal son who has his father waiting for him, who runs out to give them a hug. Naomi has been away from her people for 10 years. Her people are not looking for her anymore. Ruth is a Moabite. She's an outsider. She's a foreigner. She's not part of God's chosen people. And Naomi gave up on her people long ago to go and find a different place to live, to restart a new life. Also, Ruth and Naomi are living with the trauma of losing a loved one. Ruth has lost her husband. Naomi has lost her husband, her two sons. And going forward, they share a future that is not bright. Their future is actually very dark. Naomi is convinced to go back to her hometown because she's heard there's food. She's heard that God has provided for his people. She's coming back to a familiar place, yet her situation is not the same as it was before. She doesn't have the power or protection or even home that she had before. She's coming back as a widow. And she's also a widow who can't, widow who can't provide for her daughter-in-law. At this point in time within the culture of the Israelites, the man of the family is the one who provides and the one who protects. The man is the one who makes the income. He sets the tone for the family. Women had very little rights. And when a woman's husband died, it was custom for a male relative in the husband's family to then marry this woman so they can have protection, so they can have their family name stay in line. And in this situation, Ruth she does not know that she has a male relative for Ruth to marry. There is no way of keeping their family alive. Ruth's future looks like it's going to be begging on the side of the road with her mother-in-law right next to her. Ruth and Naomi are family and that's basically all that they have. They are widows. Ruth is a foreigner in Bethlehem. They are part of the most vulnerable people in the world at the time. 
And Ruth especially is an outcast because she comes from a place that the Israelites do not like. Ruth is in a unique class of people. She is on the outskirts of society looking in. Throughout God's story within scripture, we see God leading his people. We see his heart for the nation of Israel, his chosen people, but we, we see that God's heart is for all. The nation of Israel was meant to be a blessing to the whole world. At the heart of God is to love all people, to draw all people close to him in a personal relationship with Jesus. And we see in the life of Jesus that he spends time with a lot of people, but especially those that are on the outside looking in, those that are marginalized. I want to show you a few verses that shows God's heart for the marginalized, especially the widows and the foreigners. In Exodus 22, it says, in verse 22 starting, it says, Do not take advantage of the widow or the fatherless. If you do, when they cry out to me, I will certainly hear their cry. My anger will be aroused and I will kill you with the sword. Your wives will become widows and your children fatherless. Also in Zechariah 7, starting at verse 8, And the word of the Lord came again to Zechariah. This is what the Lord Almighty said. Administer true justice. Show mercy and compassion to one another. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the foreigner or the poor. Do not plot evil against each other. And lastly, Psalm 68 verse 5 shows God's heart for the widows. They describe God as this, a father to the fatherless, a defender of widows is God in his holy dwelling. It is in God's character to love all people and show special care to those that are marginalized. In a Ruth story, we see how much God loves her and protects her and gives her a future. Now, I may be spoiling the story for some, but Ruth and Naomi get to Bethlehem. Ruth starts to work in a field. A field is owned by a man named Boaz. Boaz ends up being related to Naomi. He is a distant relative. So Naomi does have a male relative for Ruth to marry. Boaz is known as a guardian redeemer because through Ruth marrying him, she receives her future again. She's able to get food on the table. She has a husband to provide her a home. She has the ability to have kids. Ruth and Boaz end up getting married and they have a beautiful baby boy named Obed. Obed is the father of Jesse. Jesse is the father of King David. In 14 generations after King David, the Son of God is born into Ruth's family. Jesus Christ himself was born into Ruth the Moabite's family, the widow, the foreigner. That's good news. God redeems his children, those who declare that Jesus Christ is Lord. You don't have to have an outstanding resume. You don't have to have a certain level of status in order to be welcomed in to God's family. Now, if God stands with the marginalized, he redeems them and he invites them into his family, what are the implications for us now, for God's people, his disciples in this world today? 
As followers of Jesus, we are called to be like Christ in our minds, but also in our actions, what we say, what we do. Are there people like Ruth and Naomi in our spheres of influence that we could invite into our lives so they no longer are feeling like outsiders looking in? People who were marginalized back in Ruth and Naomi's time were widows, were foreigners, were the fatherless. These people are still marginalized today, but yet there's more in our context. In our context, I feel like those that are marginalized are African Americans. I feel like there are those that are in the LGBTQ community. There's the homeless, people who don't have a place to live. The list goes on and on. When it comes down to it, are we as Christ's disciples inviting those that are marginalized into our lives as family? And when we do that, are we listening to them and hearing their perspective and increasing our faith because we see faith through them, through their lives? If you look at your recent calls, your recent text messages, your recent emails, what names come up? Who are you talking to? Who are you calling your friends? Who are you inviting in as family? What books have you been reading and what podcasts are you listening to? More importantly, who is sitting across from you at the dinner table? Who are you inviting into your home to introduce to your family? To invite others into a place that feels like family. People who are in Ruth's situation have, have something to say and their voice can draw the body of Christ closer to Jesus right now. Their faith and determination can be something that the church strives after. Now, if you feel like an outsider looking in at this point, I want you to know that through faith in Jesus, we are one. We are family. Now, we may not look like brothers and sisters, but yet we are in the name of Jesus. And here at Fifth Church, like John said earlier, we're trying to make this place, this church feel like family. And if you find yourself wondering where and how to begin to invite those like Ruth into your life to feel like family, look no further than three main areas that Fifth serves in. Fifth serves those that are struggling with homelessness. Fifth serves those that those young students that are trying to increase their literacy. We partner with mentors in a local school. And we also welcome refugees. The opportunities are there. And when you are walking with these brothers and sisters, the heart of God will become clear to you and you will know Jesus more. This is the work that the Lord has given us. This is what we are called to do, so let's go do it. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Would you pray with me? Lord, we ask that we can be more like you this day. Would we be people that understand that we are the light of the world through your power? Would we be able to welcome those uh, that may feel like they are on the outside? As we go from this place, would we have your love and your mindset going forward? We pray all these things in your name. Amen.